please go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. I know we've got a couple verses to go through before we hit verse 8. Uh, and I think it's, and we're still going to go through those verses, but I want to look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. We're jumping ahead, but we will go back a little bit and make sure we cover uh, what we've missed, specifically, uh, you know, verse 5 and 6 and 7. Uh, so uh, when we look at verse 8, he does say something very profound that I want you to zero in on with me, this service. And when we get to verse 8, we won't be looking at every single Greek word that's used there, but he describes it's basically a vice list of the damned, those who are going to the lake of fire. And it's a very, very heartbreaking verse, but this is a reality. And the, it's also a reality that most people choose the darkness, you know. Jesus said, you know, this is the condemnation that, you know, they didn't believe in the only begotten Son of God. And that's right after he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And they didn't send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him should be saved. But he said, this is the verdict, you know. The condemnation is people did not believe in the only begotten Son of God. They rejected the light. Not because they're not smart enough, because it's a moral decision. And he goes on to say, this condemnation that light came in the world, but men loved darkness more than light, for their deeds were evil. And they hated the light, refused to come to the light, lest their deeds be exposed. And in Revelation 28, and by the way, Jesus also talks in the Sermon on the Mount about this broad road that leads to what? Destruction. Destruction that few or many are on that road, according to Jesus. Many are on that road. And he talked about this narrow road, right? This straight road, this narrow gate, straight road that leads to life. And did he say few or many on that road? Few. Few. Amen. And that's important that we get that, that we don't get mixed up and think that this world is all of a sudden going to be Christianized and everybody's going to love Jesus. Okay? Some are teaching a false eschatology where the whole world, universalism, ends up right with God. And they're ignoring the prophecies. And right now, we see it worked out in the media every day, right? This battle where people champion. I mean, you have on one side people championing. You have one group of people that's trying to protect the little babies, right? From being killed in the womb. And you have another group of people that's championing it and even celebrating in some cases the butchering of babies. To over 60 million people's, people in our country, babies killed. So we live in a wicked, wicked world. Let's not pretend. That's why you have to lock your doors at night. That's why many, most of you probably have a gun to protect yourself as well or a number of guns and dogs and stuff like that because we live in a wicked world. And they have prisons and everything else and they're overcrowded. But it's getting more and more wicked. But we look at the vice list in verse 8. It says, of those who are going to the lake of fire, it says, but for the cowardly... That's those who recant their faith, and I've got to make sure I don't exegete each little word now. <laughs> uh, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now it's interesting. The cowardly, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons. The Greek word for immoral persons is porneo, and it speaks of sexual sin. Okay, and sexual sin is a soul-damning sin. Now, most people, everybody's fallen short in one way or another. And if you repent and get right with the Lord and cleanse, praise God. But if you continue to practice rebellion and you're involved in sexual perversion, whether it's adultery, you know, or fornication, or, you know, homosexuality, or, you know, bisexuality, or whatever, the Bible calls us to repentance and to know him. And it warns about the coming lake of fire. So under the Greek word porneo is the meaning there is, is sexual sin in general, you know. And it's important that we get that. It's important that we understand that. And it's important that we understand also that God wants to be aware of the war that we are in. 
See, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, that when the Holy Spirit would come, he would convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Amen? And that same word convict, whereby the Holy Spirit's ministry, one of his ministries is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Why? To make people aware that they're sinners and that they need grace, that they need to be saved, that they need to be repent, that God loves them, but they have broken his moral law, right? And the Holy Spirit uses the church. We're the salt of the earth, Jesus said. He said, I'm the light of the world. Then he turned also and said to the church, you're the light of the world. So God want, uses, the Holy Spirit uses us now as the body of Christ, even as Jesus went about doing good under the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, guess what? The body of Christ. Jesus said that he'll, bring, he'll send another comforter. Another means just like me. And the Holy Spirit now uses us and as he convicts the world of sin. And we're commanded in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Remember that verse. Have no fellowship. It's a command. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. Expose them. Amen. But that word expose in the Greek is the same Greek word that's used in John 16 of the work of the Holy Spirit where he'll convict the world of sin. So you have to see as a believer, the Holy Spirit wants to use you to, be a, to shine the light on the darkness. And then he goes on to say right after verse 11, to wake, O sleeper, and let the light of Christ shine on you. Amen. How do we expose the darkness? We shine the light of Christ. We shine the light of his word. Amen. We don't just shout at the darkness. We turn on the lights. Amen. We turn people onto Jesus and we sh share his word, which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We share his word, which the admits of his word, it says, brings light. Amen. So what does God's word say? Amen. What does Jesus say? Who is the word made flesh? And the Holy Spirit uses us. Amen. And we recognize that there is a spiritual war afoot. And it's not just flesh and blood. It's not just people. But Ephesians 6.12, Paul goes on to say, remember the verse, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities. Spiritual principalities and powers. The rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. That means the darkness that you see around, going around, sex trafficking, that means there's demonic entities ruling over that. When you see the porn industry, there's demonic entities ruling over that. When you see uh, the... the uh, propagation of smut and, and ungodly sexual relations. I mean, even biologically, we know. It's, you don't even have to, you can, you, you, can look, you can look to somebody even without the Bible, you realize a male and female are made to be together. It's, it's clear. They fit like two puzzle pieces and they bring forth life, amen? Two guys, when you bring them together, let's just be honest, it doesn't bring life. It brings death, you know? AIDS, all kinds of diseases are associated with sexual sin. And that also has to do, and it's not just about homosexuality, home, uh, adultery, you know? You know, I mean, if there's big adulterous parades and people celebrating adultery, I'd say, I'm sorry, can't agree with that. I have to say that that's wrong. You, oh, you're being intolerant. You're, if you don't accept adultery as a good thing. No, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I have to go with God, amen? So we need to understand that there is a spiritual movement afoot, and that's going to become clearer and clearer to you as we go through this. And unfortunately, guys, Revelation chapter 9, verses 18 through 21, right there about, after serious trumpet judgments take place, where people are even bit by these scorpion-type creatures, and they can't even die for several months because there's such pain, they still, it says, refuse to repent of different things, and it mentions they refuse to repent of their sexual sin, of their porneo. That's the world we live in. And that's the forecast of the future because that's how people respond to the Lord. What happened to Jesus when he came? They crucified him, amen? 
And he said, they're going to do the same thing to you. And he says, all those, Paul says, in the last days, terrible times will come. Perilous times will come. He says, all those who live, un, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So it's going to be hard to be the light. Most of the apostles, all the apostles were persecuted radically. Whipped, flogged, you know, different things like that. Many of them put to death and killed. Wow. And Jesus said, if they did this to me, your master, how much more are they going to do it to you, the servants? So when you sign up to be a Christian, you're saying, hey, God, I want to represent the one true God. I want to know your word. And things are going to get tough. You need to know that ahead of time. Amen. So we live in a very hostile world. And praise God, though, the gospel is spreading. Amen. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people claim to be Christians right now. God knows the hearts of who's genuine and who's not. But I do believe there's thousands of genuine uh, churches out there where they love Jesus around the world. Uh, many don't, obviously. Many are going right along. They're sticking their finger in the air and whatever, you know, the world says, let's do it, you know, and there's no, uh, you know, with regard to this immoral onslaught. So uh, it's important to understand when God created the first two humans, what did he make them? Male and what? Female. Okay. Uh, in fact, it's interesting uh, right now in science, they have been doing this now for some years with regard to genetic encoding, a genetic, the encoding of the genome and so forth. They're recognizing that there was a first woman, you know, and they're calling her Eve sometimes. Wow. You guys caught up finally, okay? Okay, so we have, we have you know, and, and it's interesting, one of, the ma- ta- one of a very popular secular scientific magazine said the timeline, it puts it just thousands of years back. Of course, then they're trying to look at the day, well, after all these mutations, it must have been a lot longer, you know? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, when you understand what God did and how we're made in his image, amen, and God probably, they probably didn't make clones, Adam and Eve, Amen. God probably had a diverse uh, genetic code in Adam and a d- diverse one in Eve because God's a God of, he's creative just like all the different kinds of animals he made. And even the animals, there's differences, right? So it's just interesting uh, when he created us and then Jesus vouchsafed that. Jesus basically, in, in Matthew 19, he says what God, you know, in the beginning God created them male and female. That the two would become what? One flesh. So no, no, no bigamy, you know, no polygamy. No homosexuality, no adultery, and he warned against adultery. He goes on to talk about, uh, you know, uh, being faithful and so forth. And what God's joined together, let no man set apart. However, there is a spiritual onslaught going on right now. Okay? It is an organized movement by the powers of darkness. And praise God, because our country had, and our country has a mixed founding. Amen? I can show you where deists were in the founding. Masons were in the finding. Some Christians were in the founding of this nation and so forth. It's not all quite, you know, tidy as people want to make it on one side or the other. But there, were def- there was a definitely a Christian emphasis with regard to morality uh, in this country for years and years and years. And it shows you the inroads the gospel had made in various ways because many believers in this country through the years and that there's still that fight against, you know, the Christian moral ethic, which, by the way, uh, most civilizations recognize certain like adultery wasn't really a good thing, you know? Many civilizations, I should say, and many recognize, you know, most by far. Uh, homosexuality is, is destructive and not natural. What's interesting, look at what the Bible says in Romans, which is interesting because you had a Roman emperor, when Paul wrote this, who castrated a little boy, Nero, and made him his little sex slave, okay? And look what Paul writes to the Romans. It's pretty heavy. He says in Romans chapter 1, we look at the slide here, For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. See, it's not just biblically wrong. It's biblically wrong because it is unnatural. Amen. It's unnatural. Amen. And in the same way, 
also the men, what? Abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. If you have the NIV, it says due penalty, receiving in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. And so it talks about judgment. And what's amazing is we see Paul writing this to the Romans, which is a pretty daring thing. You know, Paul was beheaded by Nero, by the way. Uh, so it's interesting. But he spoke the truth. And we have to realize it's hard to speak the truth sometimes because you have to make sure you don't put, if you save your life in this world, Jesus said, you'll what? You'll lose it. But if you lose it, you'll save it for eternal life. Amen? So Paul's saying this is unnatural. And a man burning in his desire for another man, that's not from God. You can have feelings that are not from God. There's men who burn in their desires for little boys and even little ba newborn babies. Believe it or not, that's how wicked the world is. Do you think that's natural? Do you think that's from God? So for the world to say, well, if you feel like this, this is what you are. No, there's principalities and powers. Satan will give people feelings. Demons will give people feelings. And it'll twist them all up, you know? So it's important that we understand this. And by the way, he says in Romans 1 that these folks are without excuse because they reject the creator. And they even know the sentence of death is within them. Meaning they know it's wrong and they know they deserve death, it says. That's what the passage says. We go before and after what I just read. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, and this, it'll be up there as well. You can look up there if you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. And that's the Greek word pornois, which is porneo, sexual sin in general. And he was just talking about sexual sin in the chapter before that because a guy was having relations with his mother, it says. Okay. And then he goes on in chapter 7, right after this, a few verses later, in the first couple verses, to define marriage as between one male and one female. 1 Corinthians 7 is a big marriage chapter. But look what he says. Fornicators. Uh, by the way, let me give you one verse before we read the rest of that one. You don't have to look this one up. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So back to 1 Corinthians 6, the, the second part of that, what's before you, uh, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, pornois, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, that's people that are unfaithful to their spouse or are with somebody else's spouse, nor effeminate, okay? And that Greek word, and before we even get to the word homosexual later, right after this, the word malakoi, some people read that and they just move, then they, they see adulterer, they see homosexual. That word is very important to understand especially with this whole transgenderism that's going on right now. The Bible addresses transgenderism, okay? And the word malakoi, uh, M-A-L-A-K-O-I is the transliteration of the Greek word. The word malakoi is very, very interesting, guys, okay? Because, and let me give you a little bit of the history of malakoi. What did that mean? How was it understood in those days, right? Well, malakoi literally means soft men, Okay? Now, it's not talking about soft men. Some men are like super athletic and rugged and stuff. Other, other men aren't as, maybe they're, more, they, they're a little more artsy or they're just whatever. It's not addressing what you are physically. It's addressing what, you adapt, what disposition you adopt spiritually. Okay? And malakoi means, it speaks of soft men who became effeminate and chose to be effeminate. How do we know this? Well, philo, a famous a uh, philosopher, Jewish philosopher in, of Alexandria in the first century, okay? And uh, he, 
Well, listen to what he wrote. Philo spoke of men who, quote, and he used this word, malakoi, who became like women in their persons. Catch that? First century. Same time this was written. Uh, became like women in their persons and who, quote, altered, altered the impression of their natural manly appearance into the resemblance of a woman, end quote. There it is. First century, right? That's what he's, Paul's talking about here. In fact, the church father, Clement of Alexandria, in the second century, used the word uh, of those, he stated, quote, who, quote, became effeminate, okay, and were wearing women's hairstyles and perfume and shaving their bodies to become smooth like women. It's one of the early church fathers. Are you with me today? Absolutely. I don't know how much longer I'll have the freedom to actually tell you the truth, okay? But I'm going to do it because my heart breaks for kids that are being brought up and told that, oh, you know what? You're really a, a, a girl, little boys, you know? And little boys that are being told they're a little girl, little girls being told, you know what? I always wanted a boy, but you know. And they don't usually come out and say, well, I always wanted a boy, but you know what? I've heard a lot of stories like that, you know? And, oh, so-and-so is playing with the girls. He must be a girl. Let's have his sex changed. That's crazy, man. And what that does, what that does, I was reading a while back about a gal whose dad told her that he really wanted to be a woman. And had a sex change. She watched that before eyes and she started a whole website. Tons of people that she started a website to help those who became transgender because the suicide rate among those who try to change their sex is among the highest in the world. Okay, because it's not what God designed you to be. You're trying to be something that you're not, and it's heartbreaking. And, that, and her specific, uh, I don't know if it's a minister, I don't know if she's a Christian, I was just reading about her site, and all, all kinds of people came and have helped, had help through that, going back to what they were created to be. So it's interesting. Uh, by the way, the Old Testament deals with this as well. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. God's very, very serious about this. Amen? We can't stick our finger in there and say, oh, I don't want anybody at work to think I'm different. They're all talking about this as though it's acceptable. Oh, I watched The View. I want to believe what, you know, Whoopi Goldberg believes because she's the bastion of purity. And, and, and come on, guys. It just breaks my heart. So you have all kinds of kids. I mean, think, just think 50 years ago, 70 years ago. Do you think millions of kids were like, I'm really a woman? Millions of boys and millions of girls were, no, this became a problem all of a sudden. It became a problem because people, the left is, is sticking lies in people's heads. There's all kinds of books out there in, in, the, in, in, in academia where little kids are being, you know, there's one book that talks about, you know, the kid having, you know, changing his sex in, in, in elementary school age, I believe. Now, it's interesting. Look at the next word, guys, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. It says, effeminate, malakoi, nor homosexuals. Look at the Greek word there. You can say that. Arseno, that's a hard one. Koitai, okay? Okay, arseno and koitai, okay? Arseno, because the O is an omicron there in the Greek. There's omega, which makes the O sound. The omicron makes the A sound. In the Greek, it's an omicron. So you might say arsena, uh, koitai. Nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And by the way, if you're proclaiming to be a Christian, but you're a thief, or you claim to be a Christian, but you're a drunkard, you're saying, yeah, homosexuality is wrong. Well, you're on the same list of those that aren't entering the kingdom of God. 
Let's not be hypocrites. We have to be consistent in our walks with God. Amen. But notice that word that Paul uses because that's the first time that Greek word was ever used that we know of. He coined a new Greek word. Arsenokoitai. Arsenokoitai, that Greek word is actually two different Greek words that Paul brought together. Arseno. I'll just say arseno. Pronounce it as an omega. Koitai. Two different words. Arseno, it means male. Okay? Koitai, which he joins those two words together, means bed or mat. And it has, in this context, in a lot of contexts, a context of sex. Okay? Because the Greek word, or the English word, we have a Greek English word, coitus. C-O-I-T-U-S. Anybody know what coitus means? It just means sexual intercourse. We get that from that word koitai, which speaks of the bed. And, this, and some, oftentimes it means, it speaks of sexual intercourse. And Paul is using this in the context of sexual sin, right? So he's speaking of it as male betters, is what you can translate it, literally male betters. Or that the NASB translates it to homosexuals. If you have the NIV, it translates it men having sex with other men, you know. Same meaning. Now, what, what is Paul thinking of and why does he coin this word and what's the background of this word? It's a slam dunk when you look at this, what Paul's saying here. In fact, you don't even go here. We just look at Romans 1, right? We just looked at Romans 1, right? Really clear. Women with women, men with men. He just spelled it out. Amen? We know what Paul's saying. And we know how the early church understood Malakoi, right? And how they viewed also homosexuality as a deviation from God's plan. But what might Paul be thinking about? And where would he get these two words in, in his consciousness and bring the two together? Let's go to the next slide. Thanks, Jonathan. And, and uh, thanks, uh, Josh, for working with me late into the night, back and forth, texting and putting these slides together. I gave him a whole list of slides and pictures. So I praise God for these, the hard work of these guys. This isn't me just doing all this work. I have, we have such a team here. So that the, the people you're praying for and all of you guys, we're all members of the body working together, amen? And your support uh, helps these things come to pass. But look at what Paul says in Timothy. This is pretty powerful, okay? He says, now go ahead and read it. But we know that the law is good. He's referencing the law. If one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person. See, we're not under the law of Moses. We're in the law of Christ, right? But we take the righteousness law and let people know you need to get right with Jesus. So it's not made for the righteous because we're, we're following the Lord, but it's, made for, it's not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their parents or mothers, for murderers and immoral men, and what? Homosexuals. We can't, as Christians in good conscience, act like these words aren't on the list. And just stick our finger in there and say, okay, what's next? Murder becomes popular and they have uh, uh, pro-murder parades. And we say, yeah, we might, guys might accept everybody's accepting murder now, you know, which will happen during the tribulation period, by the way. There'll be a lot of mass murder going on and people be celebrating it. Just like Muslims often celebrate terrorist attacks. One day, Jesus said all the world was going to hate, hate the Christians because there's one vestige of conscience they have left and a lot of people seared their conscience, but our voice is still there. And there's a lot of hypocrites that aren't truly following Jesus, right? That are money-grabbing, living for money, but not living for the truth, right? That give Christians a bad name. That's not true Christianity. Just like there's, you know, fake teachers and that, aren't real, that aren't real, you know, teachers that care, good teachers that care for their kids or in, in other realms of society, right? But notice what he says here. And homosexuals. What's the Greek word there? Arsenokoitas. There it is again. Arsenokoitas. A-I in the Greek, it would be an I sound. Uh, O-I is like our, our O-I in English. Uh, oi. Arsenokoitais. 
Now it's interesting. And kidnappers, and liars, and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Now where's Paul getting this? What's, he brings these two words together. He uses them more than once. He's coined a new Greek word. Is this what he's really saying? Yeah, I have no doubt about it. You know why? Because Paul is quoting this, is, is used as a Septuagint. We know that. So Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Prior to Christ, there were, they say 70, we don't know how many because that could have been tradition, uh, Jews that got together and translated the Hebrew into Greek. And Jesus quotes from the Septuagint, the Greek translation at times. Amen. That's why the King James only crowd, I, I feel bad for him because even Jesus and Paul quoted different translations, sometimes the Septuagint. And you see the Septuagint quoted in the Hebrews and other places. Uh, and by the way, when you look at the Septuagint that Paul was using and you look at the Greek rendition of what the scriptures say, well, let's look at Leviticus and go back to the law because Paul references the law right there, right? Let's go back to the law in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 18.2, it says what? You shall not lie with a male as one lies with what? A female. It is an abomination. Okay? Now look, I put the Greek underneath it. Okay? Now the Greek, and you don't have to read Greek, okay? But you can, don't even have to read Greek and you can see some of it. See the first word? It's kai. K-A-I in the transliteration. Okay? It, it even looks like a K-A-I to us, right? In the Greek, you know? That's the word and, okay? Uh, kai, meta, and then arsenos. Okay? And arsenos. Now, arsenos, that looks like a P. It's the R, okay? In the Greek, the arsenos. Okay? So you can't just say, oh, I can read Greek now because I know some English letters are similar. No, you can't. You just need to, but you can study. It's not that hard to learn it, uh, learn how to read it. Uh, Kai, meta, arsenos. This is, you shall not lie with a male. But in the, in the Greek, it puts the male, okay, Kai, meta, male, arsenos, right? Okay, look at the next word that I have in brackets, koitin, right? That's uh, koitais, okay? And the word right before it, okay? You see the K-O-I, okay? And that's basically, you know, would make a tain sound. Okay, I just wrote koitin, but uh, koitin. Uh, so you have the word arsenos, and you heard the word koitin. The word arsenos means male, and the word koitin means what? Bed, okay? And Paul knows the Septuagint, knows what the law says, and it says a man, right, in the Septuagint Greek that he'd be reading, that an arsenos is not supposed to what? Coitus with another man, as he would with a woman. Not supposed to coitin, okay? And guess what Paul does? Paul puts those two words together and says, don't do this. What would every Hebrew believer that knew the, or that, that knew the Hebrew or the Greek, right? The Septuagint. And when Paul's saying this, he would understand that Paul is bringing those two words together from Leviticus. That's the law. He's right. He's referenced the law here. And yeah, you can't do that. So when Paul, so because some people in the homosexual community will say, well, and even some pro-gay churches that have just kind of stuck their finger there and say, let's just do what the world's doing so we'd be popular or accepted. They'll say, oh, well, that's a new Greek word. We don't really know what Paul meant by homosexual there. And they won't even want to translate homosexual. But you're going to see most translations either have it as homosexual or sodomy or men with men or what have you because it's, that's what he's talking about. If you say, well, what if I'm still going to dispute that word? Oh, you're going to hang your eternity on that, man? Then go to Romans 1. Men with men. Women with women. It's very, very clear. Amen? Now, uh, some translate man, men, bet, men, bet, men betters. Okay? Now think of it this way. Some understand this to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. The man betters is the more forward guy, you know, that acts as the male in a homosexual relationship. Where the malakoi... What would that be? 
that would be the one that would assume the female position. And oftentimes in a homosexual relationship, you have one that pretends to be the male and one that pretends to be the female. You have the more dominant one, which is kind of weird because they're mimicking what? Male and female. And they don't see it. It's heartbreaking. But pray for them because my heart breaks because a lot of people, millions of people are getting caught up in this because the media is just constantly brainwashing. And you have to see these folks as people that need Jesus just like we do. And just like we did before we were saved. Amen? I mean, there's all kinds of sins uh, in our fellowship and in other fellowships where people came out of all kinds of things. Sexual sin, you know, financial sin, sins that have to do with anger, you know, things of that nature, all kinds of different sins. And so we need to love people that are caught up in these things. You know, the people that say, you know, the, that whole movement among those five-point Calvinists that say God hates F-A-G-S and they protest funerals and stuff? I believe those folks, and it breaks my heart, they're going to have, they're going to be judged more severely in hell than those who refuse to repent of homosexuality. I really believe that. Because they have the book staring them in the face that God so loved the world. Amen? And Paul said he was the chief of sinners. And God, Paul said, God saved me. And if God could save me the worst of all sinners in the world, he could save that anybody that will come to him. Amen? So it just breaks my heart, the, the false, the lies out there. And, uh, you know, well, God hates sin. Yeah, he hates all of our sin. Amen. Yeah, we agree with that. But you know, we have to be careful because you know what Jesus said it would be like. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yep. I mean, these were, and by the way, it's interesting because there's a movement here. Because it's, it's, it's interesting because it says in chapter 19, verse 4 of Genesis, because it was a town that was, towns that were given over to homosexuality. And they were judged with fiery judgment. And in Genesis 19.4, when Lot's guests came and they thought they were men, men, and we're talking about young and old, it says, bef- uh, said before they lay down, the men of the city, Genesis 19.4, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. Now, I looked at that word young, and the Hebrew word literally means a boy, lad, youth. Okay, it could refer at times to young men. Uh, it's translated Genesis chapter 25, a few chapters later, verse 27, as boys, okay? So what you have is you have young men, okay, and older men, and the young men have been recruited by the older men. And they're going after Lot's guests. And Lot's a righteous man who is vexed, it says, by the wickedness around him. It says he's a righteous man that was vexed by the evil around him. And these men are trying to get his guest. The name of this message is, they're coming after your children. And they are. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be also in the end times. In fact, this is specifically what he said in Luke chapter 17, verse 29 and 30. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. And just before that, he says, as it was in the days of Lot, he says, it'll be before he comes. And then look what happened, man. Do they teach this in gay history, you know? No. Okay, I don't think so. This is very important. This is part of history that people, in fact, we're told in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 7, that this is important part of history that we need to learn from so we do not get involved in sexual sin. And by the way, if you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, homosexuality is wrong, and you're involved in adultery, you're more in trouble than homosexuals who've never claim to be Christians. They're in trouble too. They need Jesus. That's why we love them and share Jesus with them. Amen. 
So this is for everybody. We all need to repent. We all need to be, need to be right. But you need to recognize the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual witness high places is, is emphasizing a revolt against God's order and his creative order trying to destroy marriage. Satan hates marriage. Hates everything that God created. We're created in God's image. Male and female are a picture of what? Christ and his bride, amen? From Genesis to Revelation, we just had a four or five part series not too long ago in, in, in Revelation when we started chapter 22 about how Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride and he created marriage as a picture of that. Satan hates that with a burning hatred. So he wants to destroy marriage and distort everything, okay? But anybody that's even logical, even not using the Bible, you say, man, if you go down the road and you see a, two cows having sex, but one's a bull on the top and the one on the bottom's a bull, you're going to be like, Ooh, don't look, kids. You're gonna say, no, I'm going to say, don't look anyway. Okay, but what's over there, you know? But if it's two bulls on each other, you say, something's wrong with that, you know? You know, it's because it's not going to produce life. It's not natural. You don't have to whip out your Bible. But man, you whip out your Bible, man, and it's be very clear that this is a very, the word of God is powerful, man. Sharper than a two-edged sword, man. And it's prophetic. And by the way, the scriptures warn that Satan, this prince of power there, will use the children of disobedience to deceive the world. So I want you now to, well, let's look at how this movement got very, very popular in this country. Right here, next uh, slide, we see Satanist Aleister Crowley. And Satanist Aleister Crowley, he said he was ushering in the new eon of Horus, the crown and conquering child, and, a, and that the elite, these elite sorcerers, Superman race, he referred to them as, will rule the many and the known, these elitists. And he signed his name, The Beast, 666. And in the 1960s, The Beatles, The Stones, and the 70s, Zeppelin, all the popular bands, Aerosmith, uh, uh, Stephen Tyler just said he got big. Aerosmith got big because he said he didn't get big until he started practicing Crowley sex magic, you know? And then, I mean, over, and then right now, modern days, Jay-Z, do what thou wilt, which was Crowley saying, do what thou wilt. Not do God's will, but do what thou wilt. It's just, these guys are promoting these things. And he was a Satanist organizer who said, his, the, Hor, Horus was a hawk-headed God. He said, with my hawk head, I peck out the eyes of Jesus as he hangs upon the cross. He was bringing this new satanic age, okay? And we look at Crowley, we we'll look at the next one. We see the eye in the triangle, you know? Uh, he had a grade within his order called the O-T-O-R, O-O-T-O, the Order of Templi Orientis. One of the grades is the Illuminati grade, okay? And I'm, I'm not one of those guys that says the Illuminati that was 1776. There's a small group of men from there that are still ruling the world. No, if, unless somebody's using that word, I don't believe that, but I do believe there's people in high places that are influencing the word that use that term of themselves, okay? And, uh, and you got the eye in the triangle, that's the eye of Horus. Well, I think it's interesting because look what he says in his book, Magic Without Tears. Magic Without Tears of Lester Crowley. This chapter is called what? Family. Public enemy what? Number one. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole law. They want the destruction of the family. God created the family to help protect one another. Love your families. Forgive each other when you go through hard times. Encouraging each other in Jesus. Amen. Uh, parents, bring up your families close to in Jesus. Be the best example you could and lay your lives down for them. Love them. Amen. Now it's interesting. Crowley said to the family in this chapter, listen to what he writes of the family. Then think what horrid images it evokes from the mind, okay? Not only Victorian, wherever the family has been strong, it has been an engine of tyranny. Curse them. Well, yeah, when you're, he's a pedophile, by the way. Pedophiles do not like families protecting their kids, okay? Curse them. 
there. He's trying to, he'd go to the college campuses, passing out some of his pamphleteers, trying to recruit kids, this guy, in, in, in England. No kidding. They're always in the way to the performance of this work. Talking about the new eon. The nearest obstacle of the most, the, the nearest obstacle and the most obvious is the family. Whoa, man. And now keep in mind, this is the guy that Timothy Leary, the main guy popular for promoting drugs in the 60s that made them acceptable today. We show a video in our video, they sold their souls for rock and roll. Timothy Leary saying, yeah, I'm fulfilling Crowley's mission. Whoa, man. Okay. Same thing with others in the sex movement. Okay, let's look at what Crowley said in this next. This is from his book, uh, The World's Tragedy. He says, let me seduce the boys of England. The boys, they're coming for our children. Pedophiles like boys often, okay? This doesn't mean that and, uh, uh, by any stretch that all homosexuals are going after boys, okay? But a significant amount are. And just like a, there's heterosexuals that do the same. But this is Aleister Crowley, okay, uh, the most highly regarded Satanist of the Satanic movement in the last 150 years. Let me seduce the boys of England. I shall fight openly for that which no living Englishman dare defend, even in secret, sodomy. Well, he's fighting for it back then. Guess what? They made a bit not something you have to fight for anymore, amen? Because now they just kind of got their way. Suddenly, as an aristocratic, uh, sodomy is an aristocratic virtue. Remember, it says they'll call good evil and evil good which our middle class had better be imitate if they wish to be smart. Well, it's interesting. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, it says, For this reason, I'm going to read a little more this time, God gave them over to degrading passions. For the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burning their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own person the due penalty of their error. Then it goes on to say, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, full of envy and murder. Okay. Uh, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Now, I thought it was very interesting when it describes a sexual revolution where sex is untethered from a love relationship between two people in a monogamous relationship of male and female. Okay, that's just sexual perversion in general. There, Satan is untethering the sexual experience from the marriage covenant of a male and a female, two and one, becoming one. And when they do that, they're breaking boundaries, moral boundaries, which God has set forth even in their hearts, okay? And they rebel against it, and he gives them over to degrading passions, and they're given over to incredible amounts of darkness. And they become many of these other things often, okay? I'm not saying, Paul, I don't think, would say, yeah, every homosexual is filled with all these things. But when you break those barriers, you become more and more degraded morally. And it's interesting. This is what caught my eye. And I, I haven't seen anybody point out. I'm sure people have. I've been pointing out for years. There's a lot of people that use a lot of my stuff. So I'm sure a lot of people point out. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this as well. But he, the word unloving right there. Second word to the last. Okay, I've pointed this out to you before. It's astargos. Okay? Astargos. Okay? Or you can say storgos if you want. That word storgos is family love. There's eros, which is marital love, sexual love in a marriage, when it's used properly. There's the word agape, which is just a committed, radical love. In biblical, uh, in the first century, it's used of God's love often. There's phileo, which is 
Philadelphia, brotherly love in Greek, phileo. Phileo and agape are used in the New Testament. And so is storgos uh, or stargos two times. It's used one time right here. When people get away from what God meant for love, they'll get away from, and when you have the A in front of it, a stargos, the A, they're like atheist, means someone that doesn't believe in theism, doesn't believe in God. Agnostic, agnostic, the A means no, it nullifies the next word. Astargos means no family love. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. Remember, Jesus said it'll be like the days of Lot, right? They weren't doing anything for Lot's family, those guys, young and old, were they? They wanted, they wanted who came. Well, guess what? It's used in 2 Timothy chapter 3, okay? Where it says in the last days, terrible times or perilous times or difficult times will come, and men will be what? Lovers of self, right? Lovers of money, boastful, and so forth. And notice in the middle of that, they'll be unloving. Middle right. A star gossip. It's the only other time it's used in the New Testament. I don't think it's an accident that it's in Romans 1. And also, right there, staring you in the face, in 2 Timothy 3. In the last days, there will be an assault on the family. Aleister Crowley, who's the patron saint for so many liberals, okay, the leader for many, many of them in the in media and so forth, said family's the public enemy number one, okay? This is an assault against the family. And people are talking about a lot of different things that are going on right now, and we should be, to one degree or another, but they're missing the boat, man. This is where the, war is, the main war is at. Because Satan is, you know, it used to be, man, you'd, you'd strike from without, Right? Right, you strike a country, we strike another country, and they try to defeat them from without. We're being defeated from within. Not trumpets blowing outside; it's people blowing trumpets inside, saying, "Hey, you know, basically bow down to these things." Are you seeing this, guys? This is pretty heavy, huh? Next slide. This is Alfred Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey is the top and most noted and celebrated sexologist in our country. Okay, in the 1950s, he put out uh, the sexual male and then followed that with the sexual female. And his books influenced academia to the hilt, what's taught today. Uh, also, media, uh, the porn industry, the penal code, all got influenced by him. Because he started making it look as though sexual sin wasn't really sin. In fact, I went to the movie. I did this video with Chris Pino. We did this together. And by the way, and I'm not saying anything about me, I'm saying, I'm going to say this to try to get you to get, maybe check this out if you haven't checked it out. Because uh, uh, Bear, okay, Ted Bear, he's one of the leading, uh, he's, a, he's a very well-known movie critic. He called our video the most important movie of the 21st century, okay, because the documentary. No kidding, he did, okay. We had, I had, we had a nun buy like 200 copies of it to pass out to everybody at the Vatican, and we exposed Catholicism in there and what they've shown their priests a bunch of pornography to get them ready for ministry you know it's just crazy stuff going on guys but anyway uh kinsey well let's go to the next slide and praise god man robbie uh in uh if you're listening out, out there in uh idaho right now amazing artist great artwork there uh kinsey syndrome is the name of the video and he basically see that see that stopwatch in there you know why we have that there because he would use stopwatches. Judith Reisman, she was commissioned under the Reagan administration to check out and see what was going on with Kinsey, or not with Kinsey so much, but Kinsey too, but what was going on in the porn magazines of the day, Hustler, Penthouse, Playboy, and if they were promoting uh, child molestation at all. And she started noticing over and over again in their cartoons 
they had what appeared to be little kids with adults. And sometimes it might be a, a, a well-developed woman with pigtails in a school uniform as though, you know, to try to discombobulation, okay? Uh, just try to just get your mind uh, all messed up to where you're associating kids with sex. And she saw that. And then she started studying Kinsey and she started realizing she was granted by $800,000, which was a lot of money back then, to study this whole thing. And she came out with her reports and she said, wow, this guy Kinsey, man, she's going through sexuality of the human male and she's like, how does he know that kids can have an experience, uh, climax, oftentimes under a year old. What are they doing to these kids? And then that's what she found out. They were, he was in contact, he claimed later, they found out in his writings and people that knew him, uh, he was using pedophiles that he was working with and getting reports. Oh, tell me. Like they're a reliable source anyway, right? And it's wicked. And that doesn't happen, by the way, with kids because they're saying they squirmed and they, oh, but this must have been that. They twist everything. So they're trying to sexualize kids. Why? Trying to act like kids are sexual from a very young age because they want the kids. And Kinsey and his main guy, Pomeroy, which was his student, by the way. And there's a movie. I saw the movie when this, we were putting our video out called uh, on Kinsey where Liam Neeson, one of the top actors, plays Kinsey and he's kissing his student Pomeroy in a hotel. Okay. There's blood at one point in a separate scene all over the bathroom because of self-mutilation, the stuff, the wicked stuff he would do for perversion. These are perverts, guys, that are running the, 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 the foxes in the hen house. Okay? So uh, Liam Neeson played Kinsey in that, and there's promoted, and it starts off by like, yeah, some people think if you do this sexual act, you know, you'll, there'll be an earthquake. And everybody laughs in the theater. I'm like, like, like it's ridiculous to think there'd be serious consequences to sin. Yeah, well, earthquake, we're not saying that, but guess what? There's, uh, everybody forget about herpes and gonorrhea and syphilis and AIDS and all these other things. And it's, it's interesting. It's just a bunch of brainwashing. And so, so Kinsey, they'd use a stopwatch and he's working with these pedophiles. Next slide. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, guess what? Aleister Crowley had what he called the Abbey of Thelema. Thelema is the Greek word will. And his philosophy was do what thou wilt, where he'd have their sex magic with his, with his, uh, people that he could recruit and he was a tyrant they said he was a tyrant over the people that he had and people died all kinds of wicked things happened you know uh, around him he got kicked out of, this is in Sicily at his sex temple in Sicily called uh, the Abbey of Philema he was kicked out of there he was called the wickedest man in the world at his time and even people that knew him closely said he was wicked okay evil and it's interesting because guess who's there guess who's on the left at the Abbey of Philema on the left that's Alfred Kinsey Guess who he went there with? Who's on the right? That's Kenneth Anger, the co-founder of the Church of Satan, who did the movie Lucifer Rising, promoting Aleister Crowley, okay? Kinsey said he loved a lot of Crowley's works, okay? This guy, and guess what? They, this is obviously a staged photo, and between them is who? Aleister Crowley. Well, this is very, very important to realize what is going on here, because I want you to listen to this because, listen to what, so they don't want, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because I want to make sure I don't forget it because it's not in my notes. When we did the Kinsey Syndrome, we went down to San Francisco and we went right, bars right through the doors, it was open, of the top sex institute in the world as far as what's considered the Harvard of Sex Institutes, right there in Frisco, uh, spawned by Kinsey's Institute, started by Pomeroy. Okay, Yardell Pomeroy, who was his student, grad student, then he's having relationships with him. 
And he started this and it's considered like the Harvard of sex institutes. We went in there because they have like 10 rules, like the 10 commandments. And their eighth one is that you shall not discriminate on people because of their age, sexually. What does that mean? And by the way, Pomeroy, who started that sex institute, fought in court for pedophiles to get them off, okay? They're coming for your children. And I went in there with Chris. Chris had the camera. I went in there and go, hey, what's this number eight about? Can you explain to us what it means? Sounds like you're saying, and, and they shut us down. They, they get the guy. A guy comes out. And we're calling the police. Okay, and we stayed there for about a minute. Then we left. That's in our video, The Kinsey Syndrome. Okay. Now, this is a movement that is very, very, very real. And they are coming for your children. And it's satanic at its core. I'm not saying everybody knows what's going on. They don't that are part of these movements. A lot of times they're just the pawns being deceived and being dropped down that broad road of destruction. But it's a spiritual war. So, uh, by the way, Kinsey said of 4,444 gals, okay, I'm not going to read the whole quote. I have the whole block quote right here. In fact, it might be the next quote. Oh, no, we'll, we'll get to that one next. But he said of 4,444 gals, he goes that were, you know, that were had contact with an adult sexually or molested, basically. He said, only a couple of them really suffered damage. And only one had real physical damage because it was vaginal bleeding. It wasn't that bad. No kidding, guys. Okay? And listen to what Wardell Pomeroy, his associate, main associate says in the next slide. He says, the great beast, meaning Crowley, when they went to the Abbey of Thelema and they took down the white paint that was painted over all of his, all of his images of their orgies, he says, the great beast and his followers were against any kind of religion in any form except their own. They held group, so much for tolerance, right? They held group orgies as part of the, the ritual and that included in them, what? Small children. The walls inside were still painted in British Oriental colors and were covered with the most open, as Kinsey put it, sexual action, f- open, you know, free in his mind, right? Pictures. The remainder of their paintings were life-size representations of sexual activity, both homosexual and heterosexual, singly, doubly, and in groups, including, including what? This is his, his buddy, his partner, admitting this. And guess what? Judith Reisman concluded that Crowley, because he was low on money in the 1940s, and this, these books came out in the 50s, that Crowley was one of the pedophiles that Kinsey was using in pain to find out what little boys and girls do when they're being molested. Okay? This is deep, guys. In fact, you know what? There was a guy called the oldest hippie, the founder of the, the gay liberation movement today, the modern gay liberation. Next slide. Well, well, we have Kinsey on the one side and then we have Hugh Hefner on the other. And by the way, and I'm, I'm not going to use all the quotes. This would be a longer presentation. But uh, Hugh Hefner, guess what? Kinsey, we can go to the next slide. That's Harry Hay. We'll get into him in a second. But when you have Kinsey and Harry Hay, I'm sorry, Kinsey and Hugh Hefner, Hugh Hefner said, you know, because of the Kinsey reports, he, he, his first inaugural issue of Playboy, he cited Kinsey as an academic that shows why we need Playboy to just take off. And Playboy basically became a pamphlet. He became, he would have to become a pamphleteer for Kinsey's work. And it just spread. And all of a sudden, oh, it's, it's dignified to read Playboy and read pornography now. It just became accepted in our world. Harry Hay, the founder of, well, look at the subtitle in, in the pink, just below his name, founder of the modern what? Gay movement, Harry Hay. Guess what? He was a member of Crowley's satanic or a cult organization called the Ordo Templi Orientis, 
which practiced sex magic. He was a piano player. And he's called the oldest hippie. Oldest hippie, yes, because you've got a guy with kids trying to influence them because Crowley was all about seducing the boys and, and creating an army, he said. And he said, I'll turn to the America, he said. And you know what? Well, let's look at him. He's marching in the gay parade, Harry Hay. And then you see what? On the one on the right, NAMBLA walks with me in the gay parade. NAMBLA stands for North American Man Boy Love Association. They're coming for your children. Next slide. Michael Swift, we shall sodomize your... This is gay community news years ago. We shall sodomize your sons. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your youth groups. Your sons shall become our minions and do our bidding. They will come to crave and adore us. All laws banning homosexual activity will be revoked. Well, that's happened. Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. The family uh, unit will be abolished. Bye-bye family, and we're coming after your kids. And when that came out, that was just in the gay community news. I exposed that a long time ago. Well, guess what they're doing now? They're in your face. Next slide. Okay, this is, if that picture right there was small, you'd see a bunch more people, bunch more people there. But it's basically, this is the San Francisco Gay Choir. And guess what? They have a song they just did. Anybody seen this in the news at all? Raise your hands if you've seen it. Okay, maybe a fifth of you guys. Well, guess what? The song was all over the place, and the song is this. You say we lead lives that uh, you don't respect, but you're just frightened. You think that we will corrupt your kids? You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, just this once, you're correct. We're coming for your children. You thought my title was a little strong, to come for your children? It's right out of the song, man. Goes on to say, we'll convert your children, happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you'll barely notice. Just like, uh, uh, just like you're worried they'll change their group of friends, you won't, you won't approve uh, where, they, where they go at night. We'll convert your children. Yes, we will. We're coming for them, okay? Uh, that's because they want to have sex with them, many of them, right? We're, we're coming for your children, okay? That's the, and the, the gay agenda. They say it. The gay agenda is coming home. The gay agenda is here. Wow, guys, that's in your face. And by the way, that got so many thumb downs and just a handfuls of thumbs up that they took it off and they made it private. So I can't even play the song or YouTube will not take this video down, okay? Because a lot of people said, whoa, that's too far because they're trying to get more brazen. Little by little, no, it's more in your face than ever right now. Uh, now it's amazing because listen to, you know, now they said, oh, well, that was kind of, that was just tongue in cheek. Well, listen to what they admitted after that. Listen to this, Okay. After decades of children being indoctrinated and taught intolerance, okay, this is what they say. After decades of children being indoctrinated in intolerance of anyone who is other, not anyone who is other, but men that want my children, yes, intolerant. Absolutely. For using the Bible as a weapon to a reparative therapy, it's our turn. That shows you it wasn't just tongue in cheek. It's our turn. We, they say that Christians are, well, guess what? These are my kids. Amen. And my grandkids, two homosexuals can't have babies naturally. They're after our kids, not their kids. Do you understand how it works? So they can't have kids. This is so sad and so sick. And by the way, being in 1954, because there's congressional inquiry, because it's all over right now. I mean, guess what? On one secular website, 259 different cartoon characters and such on television are now gay and so forth, bisexual. 259. It's a secular website celebrating it. Wow. 
And then guess what? In comics, this was already happening, but then there was a congressional inquiry, and then in 1954, Marvel and DC, and a lot of these guys got together and said, you know what? They're coming after us because there's no police in what we're doing. Let's set rules that, that we, we won't break. That way, they won't come down on us, and we'll police ourselves. And some of those rules in the comic code authority were scenes dealing with or instruments associated with walking dead, torture, vampires, and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolves are prohibited. Illicit sex relations are neither to be hinted at nor portrayed. Criminals shall not be presented as to be rendered glamorous or occupy a position which creates desire of emulation. So much for those things, right? These are all out the window, right? In fact, in 2001, D.C. dropped out of the code, their own codes. 2011, uh, Marvel, or I'm sorry, 2001, Marvel dropped out of the code. In 2011, D.C. dropped out of the code. And homosexuality wasn't flaunted and promoted, wasn't supposed to be anyway. It still was because they're, they're policing themselves, right, in the comics. But check this out. Uh, Disney Cartoons, Insider.com has an article. Insider compiled, this is their words, Insider compiled a database of 259 LGBTQ characters in kids' cartoons, right? And they talk about how great this is. Your kids are being brainwashed. If you're just sitting in front of the TV as a Christian parent thinking it's no big deal, watch these cartoons. And you're wondering why they have totally different views than you when they get older. You have to be very, very wise and very, very careful these days. And comics are used more than anything right now, superheroes, because guess what? I, we've got quotes. We had a podcast. Chad and I did a podcast on this whole thing uh, last week. Okay, I'm getting a lot deeper in a lot of different things, but we cover other things I don't have time to cover. And one thing that becomes clear is one thing we talked about is uh, one of the quotes he used from one of my older articles was one of the top guys, Harvard, you know, propagandist basically, saying that he uses... We take the heroes, the dead heroes, because they're in cement. Nobody can, and nobody can say, we can just say whatever we want, basically, says. So we, Abraham Lincoln, these guys, we just say they're gay. But people aren't looking at Abraham Lincoln, the kids, as much. So much what they're looking at is, is who? The comic heroes, man, the superheroes. They're like, they're like, oh, who's greater? And they make them gay now, okay? Guys that, you know, they've changed their history, and they change their origin stories, and they create new ones. And, and by the way, Brian Singer, I did a video some time ago called Brian Singer, the X-Men and the Gay Agenda that's still on our, on our you can go check it out on goodfight.org or on our, on, our, on our YouTube channel. And we show where Brian Singer, I was warning about then, I was warning about him then, that Brian Singer is being accused of molesting kids in his mansion, okay? And very, very serious stuff going on there. And he's uh, young people, the child actors, they'd all get partied, doing drugs, everything else, and then he has gay friends over there, and then, you know, going after the kids. So apparently, I was wondering about that. And I was showing out X-Men, and by the way, there's two, four out of the top 10 movie franchises in the world, top grossing all-time movie-making money. Four of the top 10 are based on superheroes. Marvel's number one out of everyone in the world, brings the most money. Number uh, two, three, and four, not in that order, but in, in the top 10 that are, still, that are based on superheroes is X-Men, which is Marvel too, but it's a separate franchise with movies, and also Batman, which is DC, and also Spider-Man, which is Sony, and not Marvel, but it's Marvel character that Sony uses for movies. Those are four of the top 10, and those four make more money than the rest of the six in the top 10 put together. Those four. Because people are into superheroes today. Guess what they're doing right now before eyes in 2020, 2019, 2020, 2021. They're treating a lot of the main heroes gay right before your, their eyes. It's happening right now and parents are clueless a lot of times what's going on. In fact, I'm going to show you some of that. And by the way, Brian Singer in 2017, he was doing that movie on, El, on, a, on a Queen. Remember Freddie Mercury called the Bohemian Rhapsody? And just three weeks of filming less as the director. Three weeks left, boom, he was out of there. Because there are so many... Strong accusations now. And he was let go, some would say fired, by uh, 20th Century Fox. And guess what USC did? 
because at USC, they had Brian Singer Division of Cinema and Media Studies. And 4,000 students and faculty signed a petition to get that shut down at USC, and they shut that down. Okay? Because when people start to become aware, even if they're not Christians, a lot of people know, naturally, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is an assault, you know. So I'm going to go through some of these really quickly. Kitty Pride, a popular comic carrier with comics. Boom. Now she just came out as a lesbian just this year. Okay, next slide. Okay, Fastos, who, by the way, Fastos, this movie hasn't come out. Eternals is coming out. And Fastos is going to come out as gay. He's never gay in the comics, but now he's coming out as gay. And he has a husband in the movie, supposedly. Okay, no kidding. Oh, but I haven't heard of them. Well, you heard of this one? Batwoman. Next slide, Batwoman, okay. Batwoman, uh, she came out gay in January of 2020. Okay, pink news headline, Ruby Rose's Batwoman just came out as a lesbian and the most, in the most iconic way, Ruby Rose Batwoman broke new ground in its mid-season premiere. And this is a TV show, by the way, which saw the masked hero announce her sexuality to the world. So she was gay in her private life, but not in her masked life, and she kind of hid who she was. Now in her superhero life, she's also out as gay. That's Batwoman. Next, Catwoman. How how many of them can become gay? Catwoman. The Guardian headline was Catwoman uh, revealed to be as bisexual in new DC comic. Okay, Batwoman is a lesbian. It goes on to say, and now Catwoman, the leather-clad denizen of Gotham City who made her comic book debut in 1940 has been confirmed as bisexual. Nobody knew that, you know, 60, 70, 81 years ago that she, you know, 81 years ago she got her start. So at 81, she became gay. Oh, well, she's really been bisexual all along, I guess, maybe, you know. Oh, guess Aquaman. Have you ever heard of these characters? Aquaman just came out as gay, okay? Yeah, yeah. In July 2019, Comic Book Review had a headline that declared, quote, Young Justice, Outsiders Confirm, a Major Character is Queer, okay? And what happens is Aquaman, guess what? Well, what happens is now they want, they're going after the youth. So they don't take older Aquaman. They have his son who takes over. Now he's Aquaman on Earth, right? And he's like really powerful and stuff. And they make him gay and he's the new Aquaman. They don't, they don't have, they're not looking at the old Aquaman. He's gone. Now this is Aquaman for the kids. And he's gay, okay? How about the Green Lantern? Anybody remember the Green Lantern? He's been around for years and years, 70 years or so, right? Guess what? The Green Lantern just changed his origin story. After all these years, you didn't know, but he told his children in the comic that he too is gay, okay? Oh, I know. You're all getting blown away. I hope so. Because this is happening to the kids and parents don't know. Because this is all going under the parental radar. And their kids are, kids are reading these things. And by the way, these things are often made into movies now. It's all coming out. Coming, guys. Okay. Uh, Loki. Big television, a Disney uh, Plus series, Loki. Who, by the way, in the Teutonic or in the German uh, uh, myths and so forth, Loki is a devil. Okay. But he's celebrated in the series. And Loki is asked, and I just quote from out.com. In an episode of his self-titled Disney Plus series, Loki is talking to a female version of himself named uh, Sylvie. As the two get to know each other, Sylvie asks him if he has any lovers out there. Would, uh, quote, would-be princess or perhaps another prince. Loki replies, a bit of both. So Loki is bisexual, he tells her. Uh, how about Star-Lord? You guys remember Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris Pratt? Okay, well, Chris Pratt, I don't know what his opinion is on this right now, but guess what? Marvel's Star-Lord just also came out as gay, okay? Uh, Hollywood Insider, okay? And Hollywood Insider says LGBTQ people will continue to assemble and expand their inevitable takeover of the entertainment industry. It's not a takeover. It's already been taken over. This is what it says in their article. And this is the picture they use of Star-Lord, do we have that picture of, yeah. 
And I don't think this is Star-Lord. I don't know. I, we couldn't confirm it. But this is the picture they use when they're talking about Star-Lord being gay, which is who Chris Pratt plays in Guardians of the Galaxy. Which, by the way, a lot of these things are bad because he's a bad guy, guys. He's crass. He's, and, and they make him, a, a, you know, they try to make it look fun. And that's how it's, deception works. Uh, well, and there's Star-Lord. And by the way, this is in the comics where Star-Lord, you know, he's got these two humanoids, a male and a female, and he's having relations with them both. Okay. How about Wonder Woman? What are they done with Wonder Woman? You know what? I don't have time to get into it. I have a whole hour on Wonder Woman that we're going to be doing. And I've got the, I already gave them the work for it a long time ago. But guess what? Wonder Woman for a long time, because the guy that did Wonder Woman, William Marston, had a wife, but he also lived with another woman at the same time and another woman for a while. And they were all into, he used the word propaganda, okay? And I don't have time to get, it's so powerful if I was going to share with you what I could. He practiced sex magic, okay, with those women and got had a sex cult that he was part of, okay? But anyway, uh, there she is, Wonder Woman kissing another gal. Now, this is the newer Wonder Woman, but let's keep going and take these slides forward. Uh, here she is, that's Wonder Woman. Guess what? She's a minister there conducting a gay wedding. It's Wonder Woman comics, guys. No kidding. It's what the kids are reading. Next slide. Okay, I mean, this goes on and on because they're, they're talking about the relationship of, of gay marriage, you know, and so forth. And next slide. Now, that we're going way back. Now we're going back 1940s. William Marston, the guy that was in the sex cult and stuff. And look what he does. He has them. Well, let's go to the next one. Look, Suffering Sappho. You see what that is at the top? Her whatever saying is Suffering Sappho. See this there again? Suffering Sappho, Sappho, Sappho. What's Sappho? Sappho was a woman who was a Greek poet, okay, that was gay. And she kept saying, Sapp when you talk about sapphic, that means a lesbian. And Sappho was from Lesbos, which is where we get the term lesbian from. And that's her saying. Okay, guys? And, and, and she has women, we can keep going forward. She has women constantly being tied up together and stuff, and that's a big part of her deal. Uh, you know. So anyway, and I guess we didn't get some of those in, but she they tie each other up and stuff. But that's the main point. And I'm glad we don't have that because we're seeing enough of that. Uh, right now we have a raw, guess what? Did you know? Batman and Robin? You know, Robin's gay now. Robin just came out as gay. Yeah. No kidding, man. And uh, he's together with this kid, Drake. This, and they make it all look innocent and sweet. Young. Look how young these guys look. I mean, Batman and Robin, you know. And Robin is like with, you know, he's dating this little guy with blonde hair and stuff. And they go on a date together. And I wish we, look at the bottom one. I wish we could have a finished our date. And then they go out for another one. Okay. So, next slide. And by the way, sometimes these guys, these kids look younger than 18. That's who they're targeting a lot of times. Oh, Spider-Man. Guess what? Spider-Man from years ago. Right now, you ever see the black suit tries to take him over? That's Venom, right? Venom has a relationship with him and wants him. He wants to possess his body. He's a demon. It's like a, a succubus and an incubus kind of situation. And he wants him. And, and then finally, Spider-Man's like, you want me? Come and get me. He strips down to his briefs, right? And he's practically naked. And he says, you want me? Come and get me, you know? And then go to the next slide. This is supposed to be some kind of like uh, uh, ploy and a way to fight him, I guess. Uh, you, you want me? Take, take me. I'm yours. Next slide. Next slide. Okay, we'll back up one before we get into that one. I'll just say a little bit more about Batman and Robin. We didn't get him up there, but I show in our video that's going to be coming out, because I've already been dealing with this, uh, I show Batman and Robin from just like Wonder Woman years and years and years and years and years ago, when we were, when, probably before I was born or right around when I was born, where Batman and Robin are suntanning together, 
and they got just little towels over them, you know, and not, I mean, in, in like a suntan room, you know, and it looks just, there's so many like gay times, and they were, and a lot of people were saying, it looks like they're trying to make Batman, and Robin's like his gay boy, you know, and people start, so that's why they created Catwoman. Oh, look, no, Batman's straight. He has loves, other loves in his life, and he's straight. And then guess what? Now we know Catwoman's gay, so who knows, right? What they're doing, they're changing a lot of their origin stories, and then they're just making their kids, and, they're, and they're, this is how the kids are looking up to, guys. Do you understand that? These are their heroes, these superheroes for so many of the kids, and now they're inundating with them. This is normal life. In fact, it's not just normal life. The heroes are so often gay. It's just... Next slide. Oh, did you guys miss it? Superman just came out as gay. Superman! No kidding. New York Times, okay? New York Times uh, says it just straight out. Superman will be gay in DC Comics. They state, quote, the Jonathan Kent Superman will be announced to be gay, which will replace the Clark Kent version. So Clark Kent's son takes over as Superman, and he's gay. Which, you can, you can go forward on that one. Do you, are you guys, what in the world? You know, 99.999999999 persons have a clue what I just showed you in this last hour? That there's this satanic movement afoot? Uh, I'm looking at the clock, so I'm going to end right now. And I tried to get through it all, but I pretty much did, except some scriptures I want to share with you. Jude 1.7 says, And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of eternal fire of God's judgment. Amen? But guess what Revelation 22, 14 and 15 says? Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to enter to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city, God's heavenly city, his heavenly kingdom, outside of the dogs, which refers to... Uh, male prostitutes, by the way, and the sorcerers and the immoral persons, porneo, and murderers and idol the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. You know that scripture says, don't be deceived, fornicators, adulterers, which is very often heterosexual, obviously, and malakoi, those who want to become female even though they're biological males, and what, arsenokoitai, uh, man betters won't inherit the kingdom of God. You know what's great right after that? You know what it says, and it's one of my favorite verses. If we can go to that slide. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9 and 10 and 11. So uh, let's look at that last. But you are what? Look at the very bottom. And that's what some of you, see in the middle of the verse, right where it says and, right after swindlers? And that's what what? Some of you what? Were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I mean, some of you were drunkards because that's on the list. Some of you were swindlers. That's on the list. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were malakoi, women, men that wanted to be women. Some of you were men betters. You were going after other men, having sex with them. That's what some of you were. But they were justified, meaning they came to Christ and they were forgiven all of their sins. Amen? Right? They were washed. You were washed by the blood of Christ. They were sanctified, set apart for God to serve him the way they were created to serve him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things have become new. When we come to Christ, he gives us a new nature. Amen? Amen. So it doesn't matter what feelings and everything else that you, you fought because the enemy is very, very real. You get all kinds of perverse feelings. But when you come to Christ, guess what? 
Those feelings may not go away overnight, but guess what he does? He sanctifies you. He makes you more and more like himself. He gives you strength, and all of a sudden your desires change. And all of a sudden, wow, I want to be in church. Wow, I want to hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow, I want to know Jesus. And then you can't even recognize what you used to be before the Lord got a hold of you, B.C., before Christ. I encourage you right now in the love of Christ, in the name of Jesus, man, turn to him now while there's time. Amen? He loves you. I don't care who you are or what you've done. He died for every single one of your sins, no matter how bad they've been. You need to repent, though. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, that's you, whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he's going on to say, I didn't send this, my, he didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be what? Saved, man. If you're condemned in the end, that's because you refuse. You can come, but it's because deep down in your heart you refuse to turn to Jesus, turn the light, and receive forgiveness. Since don't do it, man. Turn to Jesus now because eternity is a long time. It never ends. And this life is very short. Get it right. Turn to Jesus. Get right with him and be forgiven. Amen? Amen. And let's start telling people the truth. By the way, some of this stuff will be in our video. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's in our video. This is just only a little bit, man. It's way beyond this in our next video that's coming out. This is just, the, 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 the agenda here is just a small part of it. But uh, please pray for that because I did my last big voiceover and we're getting close to done with that. And we're definitely, Lord willing, I mean, the plan is for sure to have it out before, just before the end of the year. And uh, we're in November, we're almost in November. We want to get that out in November, but we're not sure we can do it. Let's, can we please stand?